0: Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Muslims Want to Know, the show where I try to answer the questions you have about the Bible and Christianity. I'm your host, Rev. Eric Mason. Before we get to our question today, I want to remind you to hit that subscribe button and leave a review. The more reviews the podcast receives, the more it comes up as a recommendation for others. The more it comes up as a recommendation the more other folks get a chance to hear answers to their thoughtful questions. And speaking of questions, I have some exciting news for you. The website for Muslims Want to Know is finished. On the website, you can listen to episodes, read transcripts of the episodes, submit your own questions, support the podcast, and take online courses as well. So please visit us today at www.muslimswanttonow.com. As always... Each podcast builds on the information from the previous ones, so if you're joining us for the first time, I recommend going back and listening to the previous episodes before resuming this one. Here is our recap. In our last episode, we covered the question, what is Pentecost? In that episode, you and I looked at the account of Pentecost and what it means for Christians today. As a result of the events of Pentecost, followers of Lord Jesus became temples of God the Holy Spirit. Through the indwelling of God the Holy Spirit, Christians are gradually drawn toward a beautiful and collective union with God. Pentecost is a very interesting event in the history of the Church. Before Pentecost, the laws of God were preserved in writing. At Pentecost, God's laws became engraved on the hearts of all who believe in Lord Jesus. This is in fulfillment of a prophecy by Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, even though I am their master, the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration, for I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. Not only is this prophecy about Pentecost but it also refers to the moment when Lord Jesus would offer himself as the once-for-all sacrifice for the sins of humanity. Through his sacrifice, God now forgives and never again remembers the sins of those who place their faith in all Lord Jesus said and did. The idea of God writing his laws in the hearts of Christians brings up a very interesting and pertinent question that is often asked by Muslims. If the laws of God are now written on the hearts of believers, does this mean they no longer have to follow any of the laws as described in the Bible? Don't Christians still have to obey God's laws? This is our question we will be looking at today. But before we look at the answers to our question, let me open our time with a brief prayer. God, open the eyes of our hearts that we may hear your words and understand and do your will, for we are sojourners upon the earth. Do not hide your commandments from us, but open our eyes that we may perceive the wonders of your law. Speak to us the hidden and secret things of your wisdom. Enlighten our minds and understanding with the light of your knowledge, not just to cherish those things written, but to seek after you by doing them. Amen. So, do Christians have to obey God's laws? The very short answer, my friend, is yes, we do. Now let us journey together to better understand exactly what this yes entails. Last week, you and I learned that Lord Jesus was the new temple, the great high priest, and the once-for-all sacrifice. When Lord Jesus offered himself as a once-for-all sacrifice for humanity, it was no longer necessary for subsequent Christians to continue offering sacrifices to atone for sins. The work of Lord Jesus not only made future sacrifices unnecessary, it also had ramifications in regard to the laws given to Moses in the Old Testament. In total, God gave the Jewish people 613 commandments and laws to follow. After the death and resurrection of Lord Jesus, those who fully believe in lord jesus no longer needed to live by those written decrees and this is because the laws although given by god to moses were fulfilled in and through lord jesus matthew chapter 5 verses 17 through 20 don't think that i came to abolish the law or the prophets I did not come to abolish but to fulfill, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. After the events at Pentecost, there were debates among the followers of Lord Jesus as to whether or not they too had to follow the laws given to Moses. And this resulted in the first church council. Fun fact. Church councils are held when issues arise in the Christian church that require consensus among the leaders. The Jerusalem council was the first church council. It was held because Christians who were formerly Jewish were instructing new, non-Jewish believers that they had to continue to follow the laws of Moses. Under the leadership of the Apostles, they and other leaders of the Church came together at the Jerusalem Council. These leaders came to an agreement and sent this letter to the new believers. Acts chapter 15 verses 23 through 29 Greetings Since we have heard that some without our authorization went out from us and troubled you with their words and unsettled your hearts, We have unanimously decided to select men and send them to you along with our dearly loved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore we have sent Judas and Silas, who will personally report the same things by word of mouth. For it was the Holy Spirit's decision, and ours, not to place further burdens on you beyond these requirements. That you abstain from food offered to idols, from blood, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. You will do well if you keep yourselves from these things. Farewell. Now, the events surrounding that first council bring up some interesting questions. If Pentecost was the moment in which God the Holy Spirit wrote the law on the hearts of Christians, why was it necessary to have a Jerusalem council in the first place? Why was it necessary to send a written decree to the non-Jewish believers? Couldn't each individual Christian have just listened to their heart to know what God's law was? To answer these questions, we must First, understand what it means to have God's laws written on our hearts. You see, the moment a person sincerely places his or her faith in Lord Jesus is the moment in which the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within the new believer. At this moment of regeneration, God does not etch or imprint every law to live by on the heart of the new Christian Instead, the way of love is imprinted on the hearts of Christians. What is this way of love? Well, the way of love, according to Lord Jesus, means that in all things we do in life, we first love God, then love our neighbor. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He, Jesus, said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws and the prophets depend on these two commands. When asked which of the commandments were the most important, Lord Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor. These two commandments sum up the entirety of the law. Humans were created in the image of God. This means that each of us are imbued with a sense of right and wrong before being nurtured by our parents and subsequent culture. But something happens to those who profess their faith in Lord Jesus. When the regeneration of our heart occurs, a new orientation of our lives begins. Our innate morality is now aligned toward loving God and loving neighbor. This means our hearts are aligned towards God's heart. To follow God's laws means we follow the way of love. Before his death and resurrection, Lord Jesus gave his disciples a command to follow. And it should come as no surprise that this command also emphasizes love. John chapter 15 verses 9 through 17. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore, because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. This is what I command you, love one another. When we look to Lord Jesus for a set of laws to live by, we should be both encouraged and discouraged and challenged by his answers. Encouraged because he does not present us with a checklist so that we can understand every single scenario of life. Discouraged and challenged because the nature of the laws he is asking us to uphold are far greater and more challenging than the most robust list of commands. Now, of course, this does not mean that God abandoned Christianity to look within our hearts in order to know how to live in every situation. Even the New Testament contains written commands of Lord Jesus. Along with the decree, This is what I command you love one another. Lord Jesus said things like, You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, Do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. He also said, You have heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Lord Jesus also gave this command. You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, if we were to put these laws given by Lord Jesus in the New Testament to real life situations, They would answer the questions, how do we love God and neighbor when it comes to murder? Or how do we love God and neighbor when it comes to lust? Or loving our enemies? And the answer, according to Lord Jesus, comes to us in the form of a question. God asks us, what does loving me and what does loving your neighbor look like in every area of your life? So how do Christians know whether they are following the law of love in all circumstances of life? First, we must understand that love is an act of the will, not an emotion. That is why St. Thomas Aquinas said, To love is to will the good of the other. God, who is love, wills our good because it is his nature to do so. Likewise, as we encounter different situations in life, we must not rely solely on our emotions to determine what is right, but we must align ourselves with the will of God. He is the one who executes perfect love through his justice, mercy, and righteousness. And how do we align ourselves with his will? We do so by submitting our hearts, minds, and bodies to God. Submitting our hearts to God has great relevance to our topic today because the heart is connected to God the Holy Spirit. The submission of our heart to the way of love means that we are submitted to the will of God, that we feel remorse when we transgress His way of love and that we are pursuing God through spiritual disciplines in order to hear His will more often as we develop our relationship with Him and pursue unity with Him. Submission of our minds means that we fill our head with knowledge of God through the reading of the Bible, the reading of books on theology and Christian living and life, and participating in worship as a community as well. It means that we pay attention to what goes in our mind so as not to cause our heart or body to stumble into sin. It also means that we're constantly focusing our mind toward God and toward others instead of ourselves. And at the same time, developing discipline over our body is also the way of love. Because the body acts by impulse, it can easily cause the mind and soul to stumble into sin. Our body acts on impulse to lust, wrath, pride, greed, sloth, envy, and gluttony. And at the same time, the body is the instrument of the heart and mind. Corruption of the heart and the mind results in the sinful actions of the body. The spiritual disciplines of prayer, of fasting, of exercise and meditation as well as worship are wonderful ways to discipline the body. Submission to God in order to follow his will for our lives is following his way of love. It's an unfortunate fact, but left to our own devices, we may end up following our own will instead of God's will. Or worse, we may end up following the will of a family member, or of friends, or employers, or politicians. We must remember that love is not an emotion. It is an act of the will. And this is why being a part of the family of God is so important as we discern God's way of love. God did not design humans to live our lives in a vacuum. We are designed for communion and community with God and with each other. As individuals, we must submit ourselves to God. But part of life is also submitting ourselves to our communities. For the church, it means submitting ourselves to each other as the family of God. At the Jerusalem Council, the church came together to discern God's will in regard to the written laws of the Old Testament as they applied to new believers. In doing this, the leaders of the church submitted themselves to the leading of Lord Jesus, who is the head of the church. Colossians chapter 1, verses 17 through 18. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. At the Jerusalem Council, the submission that they gave to Lord Jesus allowed that group of leaders to collectively hear from God the Father, through God the Son, as God the Holy Spirit stirred their hearts, minds, and bodies to align with the will of the triune God. Today, Christians stand on the collective teachings of Lord Jesus in the New Testament, as well as the collective teachings of the Church of the New Testament and beyond. Although we do not have a codified set of laws to live by like the Jewish people did, We do have a set of teachings and decrees from which to draw inspiration, wisdom, and from which we learn more about the will of God through the writings of those who have gone before us. So do Christians have to obey God's laws? Absolutely, we do. Now, does this mean that Christians have been restricted by God? Of course it does not. In the same way a loving father builds a fence so his children can freely play in the backyard, so too our loving God frees Christians by setting necessary boundaries through which we engage with the larger world. Each of these boundaries has been placed by Lord Jesus and by the people of God who individually and collectively submitted themselves to his will and his way of love. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining me. I hope and pray that as you continue to seek God, you ask for visions and clarity on all these Christian claims. And if you like a great resource on the material I covered today, I recommend taking a look at the Bible verses we covered and looking at the CSB Study Bible and the notes that are located within that Bible. And as always, the CSB is the translation that I use for my Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, I recommend downloading the UVersion app and selecting the CSB version from the list of translations. That's Version, as in Y-O-U version. And that sound means it's about time to wrap up. Before we close our time together, I want to remind you to hit that subscribe button and leave a review. The more reviews the podcast receives, the more it comes up as a recommendation for others. The more it comes up as a recommendation, the more other folks get a chance to hear answers to their thoughtful questions. And speaking of questions, I have some exciting news for you. The website for Muslims Want to Know is finished. On the website, you can listen to episodes, read transcripts of the episodes, submit your own questions, and take online courses as well. And there, you can also support the podcast if you like. So please visit us today at www.muslimswanttonow.com, And from my home recording studio in the Little India neighborhood in Chicago, Illinois, to wherever you're listening, I want to say thank you so much for continuing our conversation. Thank you, and God bless.